are listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. Check out anxietycanada.com for more totally free anxiety resources, including our app MindShift CBT. My next guest here is uh, Bruno Feldeisen. Uh Please tell me if I'm right or wrong with that pronunciation, Bruno. Uh, you're, but then you're right. I am. Yes. <laughs> That's lucky. Um, it's great to talk to you. You are, you're, you know, not to put a tag on people, you're, you're listed here in my notes as Celebrity Chef, Anxiety Candidate Who Champion. Who wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a chef and you're on TV. Just, just one yeah. second. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I just got I mean, yeah, people sometimes call us celebrity chef, but at the core, I'm still a chef. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what you are. Um, Bruno, kicking off the interviews uh, as, <laughs> as much as I can with the, with the basic question of what's your anxiety story? So if you don't mind filling us a little bit in on your experience with anxiety. Oh, well, it's uh, over the years. I know I'm 55 years old, and I think I can remember anxiety since almost I was born. So mine is probably due to my uh, childhood, uh, traumatic events that I encountered when I was a child. And uh, from that, I had developed an anxiety through most of my life. Mm -hmm. And you can get used to it. You know, uh, I think that the key is to learn how to live with it and how to learn not to let it uh, prevent you to live a normal life. So that's the biggest challenge I always had. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people look at me and say, oh, my God, you're on TV. You do all those fantastic things. And you're telling me you have anxiety. I say, yeah, I do. So, you know, it just takes me three times the amount of time and energy to do it. So sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I can imagine what I will do if I didn't have any anxiety. What, what, what is the potential that I can achieve without anxiety? So, so you know, sometimes it comes with a little frustration. What if? <clears throat> but I manage it, and I, um, you know, does not prevent me to do what I want to do, or doesn't prevent me uh, to live my dreams. It's just a bit harder, and it just takes a bit more time to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it. So, mm -hmm. you know, on your on your track to where you are now, um, we're not calling you a celebrity chef. We're calling you a chef. Um, what was that path like? You know, you, you, you started somewhere, and now you're at this point. What? How did your trajectory go from there to here? And and how did anxiety kind of inform or affect those decisions? So, you know, to... Um Let's say 20 years ago, I uh, reached the top of my career, and I was in New York. I was 30, 34 years old, and everything was doing great. I, do, I did have anxiety, but it did not prevent me to do anything, for that matter. <clears throat> and then, at some point, I started to have anxiety attacks, uh, I mean, high level of anxiety and panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And that's where my whole career died, I mean, from being on the top. I dive as low as couldn't hold a job, couldn't find a job, couldn't pay my bills, couldn't, you know, you know, so, and, um, you know, when you reach the bottom, you're like, you know, you, you're, you're upset at yourself, you're very, uh, you know, angry, I'm like, oh, come on, you know, but I was like frozen in time, I was like in a corner, and I couldn't get out, and it took me slowly 10 years to re-emerge and rebuild <clears throat> my career, my, uh, my, my, uh, 
even me as a man, you know, because you know you lose so much when you don't have a job, when you don't have an income, you 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 become almost nothing. But you know, I mean, good enough that I have that strength deep inside. But you know, it was from anxiety combined with uh, panic attack, and that's pretty much uh, prevent you to do anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, I, I deep inside, I, I always told myself, you know, life does not have to be this way. You can. You can, you know, you can make it. You can survive, but uh, it, it was hard just to see myself drifting into, uh, you know, uh, that kind of situation where, you know, I, I could could not even go inside a restaurant. I couldn't even walk by a busy restaurant because my, everything was pain and couldn't stand in line, couldn't be on the plane for that matter. So, you know, it does affect your your life, to, uh, and it it can be a disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and so from there, you know, you hit, I guess, what you'd consider to be rock bottom or something like that. I find it interesting that with all, when all, within all this and all this anxiety experience that you still had that mm-hmm. voice inside you that said, you know, no, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Um, what, what kind of informed that voice of a direction to go to bring you back to where you knew you could be? Well, I think it. I mean, I became a father when I was 40, 42 years old, mm. and I think just to hold my my son in my arms, and I told myself, you know, what I experience in life, he doesn't have to suffer from it. And I decided, you know, I said, come on, now you need to um, <clears throat> to find a solution. And I was going online looking for support, and I find. Uh, the uh, previously named Anxiety BC, and there was uh, some information. And mm-hmm. then I met a fantastic uh, therapist who introduced me to um, to uh, cognitive uh, uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, I apologize for my English. That's fine. And from know. there, you know, I think I took ownership of. You know, I told myself I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to hold back. My son deserves somebody happy, somebody um, you know who is there for him, mm-hmm. and uh, he deserves it. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, because of my traumatic childhood, I knew how much of a difference it would make in his life if I could live a normal life. So you know, I, I reached out for therapy. I knew I, there is one thing I didn't want to do is to be under. Um, taking prescription, you know, uh, I always told myself from day one, I'd rather suffer and be myself than being under prescription and yeah. not being myself. Because right. I tried it and I wasn't, actually make it worse sometimes. Right, yes. So, uh, and CBT really makes me, uh, you know, it wasn't easy, uh, but it makes me realize that uh, I could see clearly the problem at this point. And that's why it's, it's very important because, you know, sometimes you look for therapy and for answers, but you don't understand why you are like this. Mm-hmm. CBT, CBT really explained me what was a problem and, I could, and how I could address it. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, you know, um, not easy, but I could see the progress. I could see, I could understand the mechanism of it. Mm-hmm. And that was important for me. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't leave it in the hand of therapists and didn't understood the whole process. CBT, I understood it, and I feel comfortable with it, and, you know, it did help me to uh, to overcome a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, I want to say that, you know, there is no miracle recipe, there is no, uh, you know, you know, you learn that it, it will always be part of you, because, you know, anxiety is 
kind of a normal mechanism. It's when it, it controls your life. You know, it's not normal, but you know, to be fearful of something, it's normal. It's when you are anxious about no, no, not dangerous situation. That's where it's a bit uh, difficult to live. But uh, you know, the thought process uh, is important, and um, you know, the problem is it's not a cheap therapy. <clears throat> it does cost quite a lot of money, and I wish in a country like Canada we we should be able to access it for free all the time. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the case, unfortunately. And, and it's actually, it's not easy to find a therapist who does CBT as well. Yeah, uh, considering considering the um, the studies that are behind CBT and how effective it is, it's quite interesting how difficult it mm-hmm. is to find a therapist. Because, you know, I found yeah, in my I, experience... I, I mean, you know, um, for me, I think the mandate should be that <clears throat> uh, mental health should be accessible for all and for free. Nobody should have to pay for this. And that would, that will be a, a tremendous help for society yeah. in many levels, from drug abuse to sexual abuse to uh, uh, homelessness, you know, if we had access to free, unrestricted mental health. Oh, totally agree, because when you look at mm-hmm. mental health and the trickle-down effect it has on the medical system now, um, it's a huge, pre- when you dig down just below the surface, it's a huge percentage of people that are that have physical problems or perceive physical problems mm-hmm. that are affected by by this lack of mental health support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, understanding the fact that putting money at mental health now would save money on the other side of the spectrum. Oh, it's, uh, I mean, you know, you just need to take a walk for the uh, mm-hmm. Vancouver East side to understand the major problem we have in Vancouver, but there is yeah. no politician who really wants to to tackle it. There is no mayor, mayor who say, okay, let's do something else because what we're doing now, it's not working. <clears throat> and a lot of people are suffering and this is not right. You yeah. know, I'm lucky. I mean, I was able to survive, but, yeah. you know, I never felt fell into drugs or alcoholism, you know, yeah. but it's a huge problem. You know, I know the frustration when you have anxiety is to, you know, to grab a drink, to drink, three drinks because you need to get that urgent, feel-good moment, you know, and I know mm-hmm. drugs can be a great escape, but I'm lucky because I never, I never gravitated toward this, but, you know, if I, uh, if I had um, fell into this, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today, so um, that's why I know we need to address the situation uh, before, not after. All the money now is poured into aftercare, which is not the right thing to do. We need to do prevention, and we need to help people to access, um, you know, care. Yeah. It's, a, it, it, it's interesting you mentioned that like not not turning to to drugs and alcohol and that kind of thing was there was, within you was there a certain amount of stubbornness as well that just stopped you from doing that um why did no, you I, I think because of my experience as a kid and also you know my story was uh, <clears throat> i was raised by a single mom who abused drugs did drugs all the time and tried to kill me for that matter. So I, I, I knew from an early age drug was bad. <clears throat> I think firsthand, I mean, I, I did abuse a little drugs when I was a kid, you know, I mean, I overdosed when I was 12 years old on barbiturics. Yeah. So I knew the feelings. I know yeah. it can feel very good, but I know that uh, because of my mom, my mother's abuse, you know, forcing me to take uh, sleeping pills when I was. 10, 11 years old, I know how wrong it was, and oh, I yeah. result because she died from an overdose when she was 32 years old wow. or 33 years old. Yeah. So I know, <clears throat> I know 
you know, I've seen firsthand the misery of drug abuse when I was a kid. Yeah. So I knew I, I will never go through that uh, journey because, you know, I tested it, I saw it, and I felt it, and I know how awful it can be. Yeah. But so it kind of, you know, that trauma kind of protected me from a worse trauma, if you, if you, want, to, if you want to see it that way. But, um, you know, <clears throat> but I did try, you know, when, when it's painful, of course, you know, you want to drink, you want to drink a little, you know, and I tried to drink to just to ease the pain, but it didn't do it because I didn't feel myself, you know. Yeah. And for me, I wanted to, to own that moment. You know, I always crave the, the uh, you know, you want to feel alive. Yeah, yeah. And I knew if I was doing drugs or uh, if I was drinking heavily, that <clears throat> I wouldn't feel alive. I would feel at ease and probably very relaxed, but yeah. that's not being alive for me. So, you know, uh, so it kind of, you know, the abuse I went through was very traumatic, but in the other hand, teach me that drugs was so bad that, you know, you can die from it. And I've seen it, my, my mom <clears throat> dying from it. So, yeah. you know, yeah. so that's why I never touch it. I mean, I try a little, but it wasn't yeah, for me. For sure. Um, we got about a minute left, and, and I'd like to just quickly ask you about uh, how did your association with anxiety come to be? I'm sorry, I, I missed that one. Uh, how did your uh, association with Anxiety Canada come about? How did you get together with Anxiety Canada? Um, we are through an article that uh, the Vancouver Sun approached me a couple of years back and asked me if they could write a story, uh, an inspiring story about me. And I was a bit like, you know, I don't know, I don't want to share my problem with people who I yeah. never met. Yeah. And uh, so we, I spoke to the journalist a couple of times, and at the end, I'm like, you know what? You know, she said, you know, that will help people a lot. Mm-hmm. That will show a face on problems that it's rampant and it's everywhere. So I said, okay, let's let's do it. And she wrote two full page, and it was a wonderful story. And I I, I came out like clean, clean. You know, I was like yeah. a criminal, decided to say everything. So yeah. you know, it was it was very straightforward, very raw, very difficult. And I explained my whole process, my whole life, how I came up, you know, about everything. Because I'm like, you know, look, I'm successful. I'm trying it. Very difficult. When people saw the story, they were like, oh, my God, you know. So, you know, I, and that's how we connected. And yeah. they reached out to me. Yeah. Yeah. To see if I could help to do a fundraising. So I'm always involved a little, you know. And, and having a platform now on TV, which means more people know me, and I'm like, I don't hide. And yeah. I told people, yeah, I struggle all my life with anxiety. I do have PTSD, and you, know, you don't need to be ashamed. It's, you know, it's not a stigma. Yeah. And, and I think it helps people to say, okay, well, I'm like this too, and maybe I shouldn't, shouldn't be ashamed. Yeah. And maybe, uh, you know, I, I think we live in a society where, you know, nobody wants to be known as having a mental issues because you're seen as a weak person. And I think yeah. definitely more for men. You mm. know, no man wants to go to a bar with a T-shirt that mm. say I have, have PTSD. You want, to see, you want to have that T-shirt that says, you know, I'm, I'm a tough guy, I'm a rock star, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody wants this label. But if me, being on TV, having a show on TPC can say, hey, I do actually indeed have difficult days where, you know, I have panic attacks, where, yeah, I go to the airport and mm-hmm. right before taking, going on a plane and, yeah, I do have a panic attack and it's, 
it's okay, you know, there is no shame. You can still be a good father, or you can still be a good husband, yeah. and a great employee if you have this issue. Yeah. Just manage it. So yeah. that's the way we work with um, uh, Anxiety Canada, just to say, you know, you know, it's okay. It's yeah. not, you're not a bad person, you're not useless. You have a lot of value to give to society, and yeah. you don't need to suffer, and you don't need to be ashamed of it. You know, I think, you know, people, you know, when, when, you, when you have part of the situation, you, you know the, the big problem. And I think the number one killer for men between 25 and 50, I believe, is not cancer, it's not heart attack, it's, you know, suicidal. Yeah, yeah. And that shows you the level of, you know, that, you know, people need to be aware of it. And I... Uh, through my life and career, I met so many people who take their life in, in their mid 40s mm-hmm. because they, you know they're not there is something wrong and you know they and they are not people living on the street. They're father, husband, mm, yeah. people with kids. Yeah. And if you tell yourself even having a kid or two kids is not strong enough to keep you in this life, yeah. that shows you how you know how desperate people are just yeah. to get away from pain and suffering. Yeah. And like again, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. There yeah. is help everywhere, and you know, if our government could do a better job for uh, you know mental health, we you know, as a society, we 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 will be better off definitely. Yeah. Well, your your help and your advocacy with Anxiety Canada is is invaluable, and uh, we certainly appreciate it. And I appreciate you being part of of this event. It's it makes a huge difference, and it means a lot to me, Bruno. Well, you're very welcome, and I'm always around if you need to reach me. Okay. And uh, always happy to uh, to speak up and to share my uh, my experience as well. Thank you very much, Bruno. Take care. Yeah. Okay. Take care as well. Huh? Bye. Thanks for listening to our anxiety stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. Check out anxietycanada.com for more anxiety resources, including our app MindShift CBT. And if you like what you hear, please consider making a donation. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Until next time.